1: Welcome, uh, as always, it's Friday night, it's seven o'clock, uh, uh, Cracker Jack was two hours ago for those old enough to remember it. Uh, this of course is the Chelsea Fancast uh, with your old Stamford Chidge for a bit of a preview show on a Friday night as we like to do and uh, as ever I am uh, I am joined by uh, Mr Jonathan Kidd. You're looking a bit like a ninja tonight mate, what's going on? Oh, thank you. Thank you.
2: Hot. I'm not allowed to do that anymore. You can't do those voices. No, we're not allowed I played to. Any- a, I, played a, I played a ninja last year on uh, um, a kid's noddy thing. And I, I started off by going,
0: oh, I can't. And they went, I'm
2: sorry. No, you can't do that. No, no, that's, that's too Asian. We can't have that. She said. So the, in the ninja in the end just spoke like that. Ha, ho, 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 ho. Ha, ha.
1: <laughs> so there you go. So Jonathan Kidd tonight will be bringing you the Chelsea fan in the style of an Antonian ninja exactly there we go uh great to see you as always mate on a friday night uh, now i am i'm so delighted to see this man because uh, i haven't seen him for ages and uh it's good to see him looking in rude health mr marco gate 17 warrell himself
3: really good lovely day to day see day. you mate
1: yeah it's good to see you you all right yeah
3: yeah yeah yeah, okay, yeah all good
1: all good right well we will crack on then uh Lots to discuss on the show tonight. Uh, we're going to have a quick uh, look back to the uh, the wonderful 4-0 uh, win against Krasnodar uh, in Russia in midweek in the Champions League. Uh, we're going to have Liam Toomey from The Athletic joining us for a little bit to talk about uh, the week's news, mainly Krasnodar and, of course, uh, and the presser from yesterday, of course, and, of course, the, the Burnley match coming up tomorrow. And on that point, we've got the lovely Andy Hodgson, who's an old mate of mine, from um, the Love Sport Radio days. used to present the show after me on a Sunday. Uh, he's a massive Burnley fan, and uh, he's also a very talented radio and TV presenter and quite an established voiceover artiste. And I'm looking forward to a voiceover off between Jonathan... And Andy, it could get quite catty later. Yeah,
2: I'll be up for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it could be yeah. quite catty. We shall find out. But Andy's a top bloke, so he'll be giving us his view on Burnley and the match tomorrow. And then we will do our bit at the end of that and uh, tell you what we think about what might be happening tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, they'll be playing the 4 3 3. And of course, that is where we're going to start tonight because, I mean, it was, I mean, you know, Chelsea seemed, you know, for the last kind of year, uh, re- redefining the word it was a game of two halves. And it, and I mean, let's be honest. It wasn't that impressive for the first half. Uh, you itch, know, itch. What it was complete shite. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. But it wasn't impressive. I'm going to stick with that. But I think the most important thing that happened, beyond the fact that we scored uh, three goals in the second half and we won four nil, we put aside a, an irritating but not really very talented side in Krasnodar. But they went four three. They went for three, three, 3 Jonathan. They be, they did what we've been saying on this show for weeks and weeks and weeks. Kanté came on for Jorginho.
2: Mount came we on for, for Kovacic. Boom. Yeah. Jorginho and uh, and Kovacic should never play for us again. <gasps> That's a bit harsh, mate. Yeah. But go you on. Are, can I also say I'm not I'm not enamored of, uh, of Rudiger and um uh and Zuma playing together. I don't think that's... I think that's the blind leading the blind, those two together, I'm afraid. I think Silver and Zuma is a better proposition because he clearly gives him a bit of a, of a G up. But um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, the first 20 minutes of what on earth was going on, tippy-tapping the ball, giving them the opportunity to run on. What was that going on? Yeah, second half, we're really lucky. And Adoy, what is Adoy doing on that pitch if he plays as badly as that? What is going through his head they were awful. That team it was back to the Europa League again. And to have him running at people and passing the ball back and not taking them on. He was very lucky with the goal just because the goalkeeper was the level of them, really. Absolutely dreadful. Was he Kepper in disguise? Well, hey, it looked like it was a worse. It was a worse error than Kepa's ever made. It made Kepper look good, mate. I thought. It did. It yeah. did. It did. But no, second half. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Werner do,
1: do, has... Do you, know. do, do you think, though, I mean, you know, sticking stick to the, the main point, do you, you know, because I've been whinnying on about it for ages. It just seems to make so much sense to me. You know, we don't need two flaming defensive midfielders. Can take can do the job, you know, to, to, to block and destroy. Stick two potentially brilliantly mobile midfielders yeah, exactly. in They're there. They're all
2: speedy. They're all mobile. Yeah. And, and you, you close that like gap up, don't you? Jorginho's a cart horse. For goodness sake, he may have an ability to play absolutely glorious 60-yard passes to feet, but please, and if he's going to miss the penalties, just get Werner to take them. I mean, you know, for goodness sake, again, I can't believe it.
1: Well, I mean, and I, I want to hear what Marco thinks about the De fourth tree tree uh, but obviously I, I, we do need to talk about Jorginho and the penalty. But Marco, I mean, were you happy to see 3 four three three Kante, Mount and Havertz in the middle, linking yeah. the play, making us look good up front?
3: I think um, I think the most reassuring aspect of the four three three and the change that spawned it was that Frank sort of decided to do it. So clearly it wasn't working. Um, clearly, he had the plan worked out to change it, and sort of didn't sort of half-heartedly change it. He just went and changed it in in one hit. It wasn't like, well, let's just let's just push him forward and bring one man on. It's just like, right, let's just change it now. So, you know, for me, that was the most gratifying aspect: the fact that it was the change was made. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, logically uh the, the kind of the game management has to reflect the opposition and, and the thinking you know behind that and I think sort of going back maybe um two or three games to when it when it when it became clear that you know the defense had to be sorted out the goalkeeper thing had to be sorted out and it was kind of well let's sort that out and then everything else can follow. So for me it was kind of it was nice to see to build on the fact that we've got this confidence and robustness at the back again, and then the change to four-three-three in game that sort of brought an avalanche of goals. Um, you know, is that the way forward? It's just you know, it's nice to see that we have fixed one problem, and uh, you know, addressing the, the the fact that we're not scoring enough goals. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think I think the thing for me, and and this is what I've been whinnying on about for for weeks, it seems, is that clearly we've had a problem trying to shoehorn in Havertz, Mount, Werner, Pulisic, Ziyech, whoever. You know, so one of those just does not fit up front. Uh, and 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 I, you know, I'm old school, Marco, like you, and I think I, we talked about it on Monday's show. Funnily enough, the joy of having. A number four, a number eight, and a number ten in midfield, and a midfield three. Why not? You know, Mount Mount can be an excellent box-to-box midfielder. He's got an engine, but he can also be a threat up front. And Havertz, I think we we, is it's well known that he prefers to play as a number ten. He's clearly a very talented lad, and and we just seem to have this disconnect between you know defence and the defensive midfield and attack and. You know, you're right. I mean, we did we did shore it up, didn't we? With Mendy and Silver, and very impressively so, if I may say so. But of course, we lost our cutting edge, and I think that was why. So, I, for one, am delighted to see Frank doing that. I mean, we, no doubt we'll talk about it when we get Liam on 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 the line because uh, I know it came up in the presser. But you know, I think it's a preferred system for me, J.K. But I am I, I'm, I'm not an old luddite completely, and I do recognise that. You know, you need to play horses for courses sometimes. And diff- I mean, you know, like like we did against United, I thought that 3-5, whatever it was, or the three-four-three three worked very well then. And I think it, sometimes you can change it in games. And that's what good managers do. Mourinho yes, was uh, a master at that, wasn't he?
2: Yes. Well, I, I think it's very commendable, you think about it, that Frank decided, right, I'm going to have to do something about the defence and did so. Uh, it just meant to the detriment of the rest of the team. But it, the very fact that he can do these things in a small number of games... And, the, and then that so many people are calling for his head because they haven't yeah, well, played then. very well, which is absurd, of course, of course. I thought, I, thought
1: uh... Ma, I thought Mark Meehan nailed that on Monday and he said, just don't listen to them. They just don't, No, indeed. Yeah, indeed. He's but, right. but, he's but it's right. interesting
2: to see in the kind of little microcosm of this, he's actually in, how many games is it we've played now in the season? Nine, is, it, is mm. he's, he's been slowly but surely attempting to, to deal with these things. So obviously he's not the kind of manager who's going to sit there and do nothing. And the very fact that he can do it during the game, as we've established, Reveals him as being tactically very ept rather than inept yeah. so you know I'm, I'm i'm happy with that i just i think one of the major things that 's happened though is that the the goalkeeper is clearly a class act,
1: yeah mm. yeah, made some good saves again, commands the box, shouts at his defenders, you know what 's not to like um right now what, what is not to like well, I mean, yeah, I agree with you, I thought the first half was just so so pedestrian too many sideways passes and I think you're right I I I just get this feeling and it's a a feeling I've had for a long long time now is that a lot of modern footballers are actually not footballers they're actually just superb human specimens they're very fit they're very athletic they're very strong but they've got two bloody left feet and I think Rudiger and Zuma play like that you know they, they don't have the footballing skills to be defenders who can play out the back but uh the midfield malaise was really Jorginho and Kovacic really slowing things down, as we've seen them do many times. But, of course, his biggest crime uh, was not playing rock and roll. It was missing a penalty, Marco. What did you say about the hop, skip and a fail this time?
3: Well, I mean, we hit the post, didn't he? So, it's not It's not like he... That's
1: still a miss, mate.
3: No, I know that. I'm not defending him. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I, I, I always thought that... Um, Sooner or later, a goalkeeper would work out, yeah. you know, the hop, skip, and a jump go the right way, and, and then that would mess with Jorginho's psyche. And that would be the end of the hop, skip, and a jump uh, penalty. But, but he did hit the post, um, and had he, had he sort of directed the ball a couple of inches to, to, to his right he would have scored because the keeper was nowhere near it. it so we yeah. so got yeah. that
2: bit right. Yeah.
3: He? So, you know, um, I mean, personally, you know, I thought Werner should have, as soon as they signed Werner, he should have been the designated penalty taker. But kind of going back to the Ross Barkley Valencia game last last season, when he was the designated <laughs> penalty taker and, and fluffed his lines and booted the ball into the top of the top tier of the uh, Matthew Harding, you know, um, you can kind of see Frank's kind of got a little bit of a loyalty thing going on with his designated penalty takers, but I think, you know, I think that's it now. You know, Verner's going to be the man. Um, well,
1: I think something something else might predicate that. And that, that me, could be Giorgino's that... know's
2: not playing. Yeah, you know, if he ain't playing, he can't take the penalty anyway. I think. I have just to say, I loved the penalty. I loved Werner's penalty.
1: Yeah, proper penalty on it.
2: I actually laughed. Yeah, I laughed. Yeah. The, the the no-nonsense wander up to it, Wallet. smashing hard hard as possibly good yeah. into the roof of the net. I'm a much For bigger
1: it. fan of that, I have to say. I mean, but look, let, I mean, you know, in the interest of balance and being fair, uh, never never let it be said that I'm not balanced or fair. But, uh, Jorginho's had a pretty good run. He, I mean, he's, you know, he's something he's missed two out of 14, and that's not not bad. Actually, it's it, people seem to forget the one he missed against, uh, City in the League Cup final. But, uh, you know, he's had a good run, and actually they look pretty good when they go in. It's a bit like those Penenkas, isn't it? They look yeah, like yeah. genius when they work, but you look like a complete arse if they don't. And that's exactly. the trouble. That's the yeah, trouble, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
3: I mean, you know, like Jorginho's, he's, it's quite an interesting topic
1: all on his own isn't he really in terms of i can see a book coming out next season mark well not really no okay <laughs> if, somebody <laughs> wants to, if somebody wants to write it i'll consider you, publishing yeah, it. delegate it to dean but it won't be very it will be yeah. rather myopic won't it that's the trouble
3: <laughs> yeah I, I don't know it's kind of i just wonder if
2: his run's coming to an end yeah we um, thought his run had come to the end at the end of last uh, season. I we know. were happy to to wave goodbye to him, weren't we? But the transfer didn't go through wherever he was going. So obviously, Frank has thought, well, I'll I'll try him out in a permutation. But it's pretty obvious to me that the, none of the permutations he would tried him in has worked at all. So yeah, I mean, he's you know he's got to play his son, hasn't he? That's it. Yeah. So
1: yeah.
3: Well, we, as, we, as, we much well, as, the, as much as half of Twitter hates the fact. That, you know, I think Mason Mount's versatility at such a young age, um, you know, from a box-to-box perspective, he brings a lot more to the game um, than than Jorginho. Well, Sorry, Jorgie.
1: Mate, I have to say, I think, you know, Mount will Mount will only get better. And I don't think Jorginho will. I think that answers that. Well, we've got to wrap this part up because uh, in a minute... Uh, we're going to talk to the absolutely wonderful Liam Toomey from The Athletic, who was at yesterday's press conference and he can tell us everything that the great Sir Frank of Lampard had to say. We will be back in a minute.
3: Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys. On the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. FootballFancast.com
1: Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. with me, Stamford Chich, Im over there, the ninja that is Jonathan Kidd. Oh. The absolute delightful Mr. Mark Gate 17 Worrell. I'm actually going to officially change your name for now. I will always now refer to you, Mark, as Mark Gate 17 Worrell. All right, is that okay? No. Okay, I won't then. Marco it is. <laughs> now, I did promise you before the break that we would have the lovely Liam Toomey from The Athletic uh, on, and of course we do. Liam, how are you, my friend?
4: I'm very good, guys. Good to see you all again.
1: Yeah, you too. Lovely to see you. Hannah, um, how's your week been? I presume you weren't in uh, in deepest, darkest South Russia.
4: No, no 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 I don't think any I, I don't actually know anyone on the Chelsea beat that made that trip. No
1: well, why would um, you you can watch it on the home no. home and te- on the telly mate you know. Why go? Yeah the the away trips at the moment
4: are not particularly worth it no. because you're not getting the atmosphere of a full stadium anyway and uh, and then you don't have the post match in person whether it be a mix owner or a press you Are allowed
2: allowed to stay in a hotel? Are there any hotels? you have to sleep on the street? Is that what it's
4: <laughs> to? I don't think, don't think times you, are
2: that hard on the athletic, mate.
4: <laughs> if you went as far as Krasnodar, I'm sure they'd put me up on, in the local Premier Inn for the night or something.
1: So, Liam, what what happened in the old presser yesterday? I mean, I mean, just, just my little headlines from what I saw of it. Um, you know, the usual injury updates, bit of praise for Pulisic. Uh, obviously, the penalty that we've just been talking about, about Jorginho, was raised. And, of course, the wondrous, the delightful uh, tactical switch to 4-3-3. But uh, what was your overall impression? Yeah, he was um,
4: not as tired as I expected him to be, uh, given that they'd all had about four hours sleep after that trip from Krasnodar. Actually, the first yeah, the first thing to say is it was, it was quite surprised the press conference was on Thursday rather than on Friday. And I think they probably did that with the Russia trip in mind, maybe giving them a little bit more recovery time before the, the trip to Burnley. Um, but he was he, he was good. I mean, Lampard's quite measured; he's quite emotionally steady most of the time. The only time he really got uh, slightly vexed were when Jesse, Jesse Marsh's comments about Christian Pulisic. Yeah, what, what was
1: what was that all about? Uh, and who is Jesse Marsh? He is the coach of Red Bull
4: Salzburg. Uh, he's also an American. Um, and he was referring to a conversation he had with Lampard after Chelsea played Salzburg in pre-season friendly before last season. And um, they felt Lampard was skeptical of Pulisic because he was American and he was skeptical of the impact that he could make in what? English football. What? And crucially, this wasn't something that Lampard said to Jesse Marsh. This was something that Jesse Marsh read into, uh, from the conversation he had with Lampard, so Lampard wasn't best pleased um, that that Marsh had come out and said that, and, and he was very keen to set the record straight, not least to sick himself, you know, because uh, he, he wanted to make it clear that he never doubted him. Um, of course, Pulisic didn't play very much at the beginning of last season; that's worth saying. He had to work his way into the team, but Lampard said that that was just just as much because of Pulisic's. Pulisic's busy summer uh, and that he, he was trying to manage him into the team. And I think there's no denying now, I mean, seeing the, the impact Pulisic's had that, that Lampard is is a huge fan of what he brings to this team.
1: Yeah, quite, quite right too. And, and I thought, I thought Frank made an excellent point actually saying, uh, excuse me, Jesse Marsh. I actually did play in America for a little while, so I kind of do understand the mentality out there. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, Penalties, obviously, we, we, we talked about it a minute ago about Jorginho missing the penalty. That was obviously going to come up in the presser. Uh, I mean, knowing Frank, he played that with a bit of a straight bat, Liam.
4: Yeah, I mean, he doesn't want to come out and slam Jorginho because anyone can miss penalties. And as Lampard pointed out, he he missed quite a, a few relatively high-profile ones in, in the Premier League during his own Chelsea career. Um, Jorginho still only missed I think three for Chelsea, one in his first season, two this year. Um, I think Bruno Fernandes has missed two recently as well. So it happens to the to the best takers. And Timo Werner actually did a big piece for the Athletic on Chelsea's potential takers a month or so ago. And Werner had missed four penalties before he got to Chelsea. So there, there, there are no, or very few, flawless
1: penalty takers. Well, it's really interesting. I mean, you know, the boys will remember we were doing a lot of, uh, I mean, I need to pick them up, but uh, this is not the time for my excuses. But on the 50 years of Chelsea series we were doing, we were we were astonished that my memory completely forgot how many, A, how many penalties the, the mighty Kerry Dixon used to miss, but also how many different penalty takers we used to have, and they were used to miss as well, boys. I mean, do you remember that, Jonathan?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kerry Kerry seemed to miss absolutely regularly. So they, then Nigel Spackman took over, and he missed. And then, of course, Pat Nevin missed as, uh, about yeah. uh, most, yeah. the most of the lot of them. I think, particularly that absolutely dreadful penalty where he just dribbled it at the goalkeeper, which yeah. is one of the worst penalties I've ever seen in my life. I mean
1: it didn't really get sorted out until Graham Roberts came in, did it? But there you no, go. No, indeed,
2: he had a, a very good knack. Just top right or left hand corner blasted. He was. Very he liked
1: tough. to do what you liked to see. He walloped it. Um, he now. We were very delighted, uh, Liam, because we've been saying on the show for a few weeks now that 4-3-3 with Kante, Mount and Havertz is the way to go. I think it clearly made a difference against Krasnodar. Now, you, I know, wrote an excellent piece, uh, I think it was this week, uh, on, on, on getting the best out of Kante. Um, I think this is the best way to get you know the best out of Kante, if you see what I mean. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about what you said in the article and, and, and what you think about the 4-3-3?
4: Well, so what I was quite interested about was that so far this season, um, Kante's virtually done nothing in Chelsea's attack, which, you know, his attacking contributions have always been relatively marginal. The odd shot here, key he pass there, but he, he's done absolutely nothing. It's zeros across the board, pretty much. He's, he's focusing on his defensive impact and um, you would think that's, that's a, an instruction from Lampard in an attempt to try and balance this team. Uh, but one of the things the piece was getting at was that him and Jorginho, um, with with him in that midfield too in a four, two, three, one with Jorginho, that there, there isn't really enough ball progression into the four attacking players. And I think we've seen that in the games. There have been long stretches in some of Chelsea's games where they have they've had, had these four amazing attackers with Timo Werner up front and they're actually getting bossed in midfield and they can't get the ball to them in the first place. Um and so I didn't really get into the merits of the 433 in that piece, but I know it's something that a lot of people are talking about. And I think you're right in saying, Chidge, that it did make an impact and open things up against Krasnodar. And that's why I asked Frank actually directly um, in the press conference whether. It was
1: you, Liam. Would... I didn't know you got yeah. There we go. Good man.
4: <laughs> well, I, I asked him whether it was something he would want to take a look at in the next few weeks. And his answer, I mean,. You know, he's never going to say a cast iron yes or no to these to these tactical things. But he his answer suggested he is going to look at it, um, I think. And I, th- I think it's right. I think particularly against teams that Chelsea would expect to dominate the ball against. I think having Kante as the holding midfielder with two more attack-minded guys either side of him uh, probably works quite well in terms of the balance.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I kind of, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? We, 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 we seem to have memories like goldfishes this year, don't we, when it comes to football. But I do remember a big theme last year, Marco, was that, you know, we weren't scoring many goals from midfield. And, and that was a problem, I think. And I think if you put the likes of Ma- Mount and Havertz, and actually even Kante, Kante can score goals. I mean, you know, if you put those three in midfield, Marco, you've got people who can contribute up front as well.
3: Exactly. And I I think, you know, much to everybody's great delight when when Kovacic finally did score his his goal, he's he's not exactly a source of um, goals either. So, you know, I think, I I don't know, I'm I'm just a big fan of creative attacking football and not the old Catanacca style. Um, And I, I just think, I actually think now Frank's built a bedrock of stability at the back, hopefully, with Mendy coming in and Silva bringing a bit of solidity and and leadership there. I just think, you know, we might see a bit more of what we saw in the second half against Krasnodar. Um, Interesting to see what happens tomorrow against fairly dour opponents. But then, going back to the Pulisic story, that's where he scored his perfect hat-trick last season. So, who knows? Who knows? Flick yeah. the coin up, see which side it lands.
1: Oh, it's a good point, isn't it? I mean, Liam, you know, what's your sense? I mean, you know, this is one, I mean, I remember this when we used to do the Love Sports show, you know, and we get you on a Friday. We, what was the, the joy of it for us was that you had actually been in a room with Frank Lampard and you can get a real sense of what he's thinking. I know that you don't get that opportunity now because it's all on Zoom, but, you know, where do you think it's going for tomorrow?
4: Well, I, I do get the sense that he's going to look at 433. Um, whether that whether that happens as soon as tomorrow I'm not sure, but I th- I think he probably can because he rested Kante for most of that game in Krasnodar. Um and I think he's rotated his attackers reasonably well, although I know Vern has played quite a lot of minutes. Um, so I think I think you could go largely with that lineup against Burnley. And they've got a pretty high recent standard of performance to live up to at Turf mm-hmm. they they've played really well there in the last few seasons. It's not just the Pulisic, perfect hat-trick. I think the year before was arguably their best performance under Sarri when I think Ross Barkley scored twice and they, they played brilliantly without Hazard. So, um, it's a place that they've actually not struggled too much at, um, but we know Burnley can be can be difficult on their day. They're a very very stubborn team, the way they set up. And I think the, the emphasis will be on creativity because they will try and sit deep and be compact and, and challenge Chelsea to break them down.
2: Good stuff. How, well, how much is the uh, um, the defensive stability dependent on uh, Jorginho not coming up the field much? I'm just worried that you know if we sacrifice, we um, we we've been dissing him earlier, saying he should never play again. But um, what if? No, you, you uh, were it's actually uh, sorry. I was, but what what? Yes, yeah, so I was. What if? In actual fact, the stability of the defence has been down to him not actually coming up much, and it makes them very vulnerable playing the four-three-three against a team like Burnley, who might actually break pretty quickly.
4: I think he's played his part. Georgino um, is not not a complete liability defensively. He's, he, he's got reasonable instincts and he, he can put himself in the right positions. It's just he's so relatively athletically limited,
2: and slow, sort
4: of yeah. Yeah, that players can go, and not the strongest either. So players can go past him, they can bustle their way through him as well. Um, so, yeah, he's played his part, but I think the main reason for Chelsea's defensive solidity has been Thiago Silva marshalling that, that back four. And Mendy. And Mendy, Mendy. yeah. And, Mendy, and the calmness that, that Mendy has the to, to the people in front of him.
1: Yeah, well... You know, unlike unlike uh you know, Jorginho, uh you are definitely athletic, Liam. Uh, and I, I look forward to uh reading your tombs next week uh in the athletic. Uh, but until then, uh well hopefully we'll see you again soon. I, I love these little Friday night shows, as you know, but we'll try and get you on the Monday one soon. But have a great weekend, mate. Enjoy the game tomorrow and uh, thanks for joining us as ever.
4: Thanks, guys.
1: Same to you and speak soon. Thank you. Liam. I'll get you I'll get you new Wi Fi for Christmas. All right, mate.
4: Oh, it's been a nightmare. The last two days, I, I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's the weather.
1: It's the weather, mate. Always, we're English, always blame the weather. So there you go. Right, we will be back in a uh, minute or two, and we're going to be joined by the absolutely delightful uh, Mr Andy Hodgson, who is a massive Burnley fan. So we, uh, don't go away. Don't don't touch that dial, as they say in radio. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV?
2: Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved blue boy's (laughs) life. It's all too much. (laughs) I
1: know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it?
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) Well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue.
2: They have.
1: Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords.
2: Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I
1: bet that'll cost me a fortune.
3: Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea.
4: FootballFancast.com.
1: Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast because of me, your your uncle Stanford Chidge, uh, the ninja version of Jonathan Kidd to my left. Hello. Uh, Mr. Mark Worrell, the uh, the well, the, the leader of the Gate Seventeen firm. I'll leave it at that, Marco. Very good.
3: Very good. Okay. <laughs> the okay. Chelsea literati. The, the
1: Chelsea literati. I like that. Now we got a uh, we got a guest uh, on the show tonight, as ever. For this, the opposition view, and he is the wonderful the wonderful star of radio TV the second uh, best voiceover artist that I know personally. Sorry, Andy. He's he's here. What can I say? Uh, But he's also a massive, massive Burnley fan. He's actually a lovely chap and a bloody good radio presenter. We were lucky enough to work together at Love Sport Radio.
0: How are you, dear boy? I'm marvellous, thank you. It is delightful to uh, chat to you again and delightful to play second fiddle (laughs) to the greatest voiceover artist (laughs) in the universe. Huh? I just want him to talk to me in his Ferrero Rocher voice. Never mind yeah. Chelsea and Burnley. The That's ambassador's
2: what... reception is known for—I never remember the words. I did it 20, <laughs> Twenty years ago, for something about a great taste a sign of great... Would you believe I can't actually quite do the voice anymore?
0: No. <laughs> they, they need to pay you more money. That's it, what you need. It, yeah. it's,
2: well, funny enough, I think it's what it is. I'm not cranked up enough for the job. Yeah. <laughs> mate, if, Jonathan, you, me a fiver, you're, be, I have you're a
0: being replaced by Andy,
1: mate. That's what's going I'm, on. I'm <laughs> happy. I'm happy.
2: I've, I've, I've done my bit. It's time po- to yeah. move, move po- on. Po-
1: on to posh blokes are passé. We want gritty Pasque northerners <laughs> now, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hope <laughs> the
0: northerners. It's true,
2: actually. It's happening more. All other thing is there's people who can't actually do it. We're being replaced. Right. That's <laughs> Oh,
0: Meow! I told you it would get catty. No,
2: I told no, you it would no, get catty. No. But it is. There's a girl at the moment doing something. If you listen to her, she's clearly done it on her phone. She's on LBC a lot. Let's go LBC. And she goes like that. She just does that on the way flow. you know, side out on the way through. You and, and nobody hits the that what you're supposed to be selling. You know, you just think, what did they say? What word? What? What are they doing? That You go. Oh, what? That Oh, okay. I think it's Vodafone. No, it might not be. Hang so, the, okay. the, the trouble is, the trouble is you, is, you get spoiled, now.
0: don't you, Jonathan, doing this job because uh, it means uh, listening to the adverts now is a different kettle of fish. You actually listen like you care now and criticize everybody, whereas before you just turn them down. No, no, oh. no, 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 I've always listened like that. Always. <laughs> All right, time out, you two in
2: competition, you, always, you two lovey
0: lovebirds.
1: Enough, uh, we no, love darling,
2: we'd Be more like we that love we you both,
1: like we love lovey. you both. We're not
2: being like, that. and
1: remember, Jonathan, are we remember, no. Jonathan. I have the mute button. All right, yes, it's as simple I know, as that. Anyway, right.
2: Andy, where were we? I,
1: and I, you, you've got three seconds before it gets pressed. All right. Now oh, okay. I, I want to talk to this fine man about Burnley. That's why he's here. Uh, and the first thing, Andy, uh, something I didn't expect to talk about at all. Actually, uh, I'm tempted to say ever, but that would probably be rude. Uh, but I, I read in the the, the news and Sky Sports News and and BBC Football yesterday that there's a a 200 million quid takeover of Burnley. In the offing uh, a certain Mr. L. Kashashi, so he's clearly got the cash, and yeah. uh Chris Farnell, who um is a sports lawyer, and I have to be very careful what I say here, but he was certainly um he he kind of failed failed the fit and proper person's test when he was trying to buy charlton, although he's and he had a ban or something, but he's kind of been deemed clean, but there's something afoot is this a good thing for Burnley or not?
0: Do you know, if you believe all the gossip and all the stuff around it, everyone's saying, how can they let somebody uh, like this solicitor guy anywhere near? No one knows anything really about the Egyptian part of it. And when you look it up, it turns out this guy has had major success in Egypt with a food company. And he's been looking to get into British football for some time. Now, uh, Farnell is based in Cheshire. He's helped uh, players like Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Roberto Martinez, he used to represent as well. And uh, he advises on player transfers. So he's been involved in sport as a sports lawyer for a long time. Uh, And from what I can see, the unfortunate press that he's getting at the moment is that he's been involved uh, with clubs like Charlton, Berry and Wigan, all of which uh, everyone's scratching their head going, hang on, why would you want him involved with yours? But if you're a sports lawyer, you've probably been involved with player transfers with most clubs. It's just a good headline, I guess, to get involved in, uh, uh, to, to mention those clubs that have uh, gone down a little bit, to say the least, and had controversy around them. What, what, I, what I have read, though, is that um, his uh, problem with the EFL was, in fact, a technicality. Uh, in terms of uh, the fit and proper persons test, it was the procedure rather than the person. And now he's past that stage, and they have said he's free to talk to other clubs and do what he wants now. So, uh, on appeal, uh, that was that was not found. So, obviously, people who are just reading the headlines are going, "Oh my God, why would we want someone like that involved?" But then, you know, if you look at the shiny, uh, gleaming part of his career. Uh, he's been involved with some fairly meaty names and uh, I think he's been trying to get into the management uh, side, the ownership side for some time. And he owns a, a shell company, which I've seen was set up last November with this uh, Kashashi fella. They got 50-50 shares. Uh, they put £100 down and there's nothing else on the account for it at Companies House. So hopefully they'll be putting more money into it if they want to take over for 200000000 Eh? Isn't what- 200 million. Isn't £200 cheap for a Premier League club? Well, I guess it. I guess it depends what the assets you're buying. Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously in terms of cash that comes through it. But what a lot of people forget, I think, is that cash that comes through it with a club like Burnley size goes out really quickly as well, um, because we've got, you know, uh, like like all Premier League clubs, we've got for us tiny Burnley, we've got a massive wage bill, so we might get a chunk in from the the revenue of the TV. But unlike the top six clubs that have got global revenue and sports rights all around the world, we don't have that kind of income. And we don't have 60,000 people turning up at the stadium when you could do that either. We have 20,000. So in terms of the assets, you know, we've got a cracking training ground now, which is now, you know, Premier League standard and players actually go there and go, wow, this is actually, this is good. I like this. Um, We've got a nice little old ground uh, that's been modernised slowly as we've been in the Premier League. You've still got the wooden seats in the away end. The away and still has the wooden. I love that. I love that. And and if you reach down when you're in the away stand, you'll feel some holes. If you feel the holes, they were built in the seventies. And that was the very first under seat heating. No word of a lie. And the guy who ran the club at the time, Bob Lord, who has his own stand there now, um, he uh, put it on for the first time. And the story goes, he put it on, saw the electricity bill and never switched it on again.
1: (laughs) Not that that's stereotypical in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> um, listen, mate, um, you know, but and Sean Dyche has done a superb job at Burnley, in my opinion. And, you know, he's he's very, I think he's, I don't know, maybe maybe you would tell me different, but I, I always get the impression he's quite diplomatic about not saying, look, guys, I've done a great job here for eight years. Give me some money to buy some decent players and I'll do an even better job. Would <laughs> would El Kashashi and Farnell coming in Allow that opportunity for Burnley to actually go and buy, you know, the kind of players that Dyche should want and take them to the next level.
0: Well, who knows what discussion they've had? I mean, there's there's been Dy has been there for eight years. Uh, every year for the last five, there's been the gossip that says is Burnley big enough for Sean Dy? He does brilliant on peanuts. Surely he'd be better off at a at a bigger club, testing what he does. He's actually one of the most realistic guys I've ever met. I've sat down with him at dinner, had a chat. I mean, his his reality check on life is fantastic. And if if you look at a lot of football managers that were around over the last 20 years, a lot of them were showbiz. They love the big cars. They love the big houses. They love the big everything. Sean cracks on, does his thing, gives the players two days off a week. They always know when he's giving them the days off. He respects family. He goes home and in his own words to me, Then I just have a curry with the lads and we don't talk about football at all. We just talk about other stuff. So he's really realistic. And I I think that's, that's the thing about him. That's been brilliant with money. Could he do better? Well, of of course, you know, it would change the club. Um, And, and, you know, if they invest more, do they get more awareness? Yes. But are they coming in to do that in reality? No one knows apart from them, whether they're coming in to make a fast book and, and move it on. I don't know. Are they coming to invest and be there for 20 years? I don't know. Uh, And that's the difficulty with it. We don't know in the reality until they arrive and get the keys. I don't think anybody will know. Mm. But could Sean do better with money? Yeah, of course he could. Mm. Who are the owners at the moment? Um, They're guys that have been involved in the club for the best part of 10, 20 years. So the the chairman is Mike Garlick. He's been on the board. He was the the, um, co-chairman for a while and he's been on the board for a long time. He hasn't got, you know, £200 million to spend on Burnley. Um, the, the rest of the board all have, you know, millionaire status, not billionaire status. Um, so they've never had huge amounts. The, the, chair, the chairman before that, Barry Kilby, you know, he made millions, but again, it was millions, not billions. Uh, and that's a huge difference. When the club's in trouble and you wage bills, you know, 50, 60 million at Burnley, you can't reach in your back pocket and say, well, I'll just keep us going. Hang on, I'll lob in 50 million quid and it means nothing to me. Those guys have run it like a corner shop. You know, they, they, they run it on the basis of let's not go into debt because that would be a bad thing. We're a small club, so we run the risk of relegation every year, frankly, and every year we stay up is fantastic. Um, and therefore, if we go down, let's not do what all the clubs that have done, that have, you know, pirouetted all the way down. Let's not be a Bolton. Let's not be a Portsmouth. Let's not be a Sunderland. And those are all lessons that have gone before. And fans don't get that. Fans go, oh, why are we not spending all this money we've got? well i'd rather frankly we uh, we teetered around the edges but stayed solvent uh, than went into administration like many clubs have uh, flirted with over the years well, like charlton were an example of that Yeah, they? yeah
2: they, they were, were they were they curb- weren't they? And, and in fact he was doing wonderfully keeping them 13th in the division
1: be careful yeah. what you wish for i think is the more of one but mm-hmm.
2: rangers did it earlier on as well didn't they when uh, Wright was involved, and uh, and they they I can't remember the name of the manager
0: they sacked at the time. But yeah, it's a pattern, isn't it?
2: Are they willing to sell? Do they want to be selling at the moment,
0: or is it a hostile takeover? I, I, no, I get I get the impression that that Mike would be quite happy. Uh, I saw him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we had a chat on the way to Millwall, uh, and he said he said you know the, the fans don't realise that, you know I haven't got loads of money, and neither of the others that are around the table. But what we've done. You know, we've done well with the club, we've done well with the money we've got, and we've done well with the resources. And you know, a lot of that is down to to Sean's sensible man management as well and recognition that goes, This is how you should run this club, and you shouldn't go every five minutes, I need another player, and if you don't spend fifteen million quid, I'm off. No. Um, you know, and and, and the reality of our club is is we should be signing ten million pound players maybe from the championship but that's become harder and harder over the last 10 years as well because all the, you know there are, there are players in the championship that get a weekly wage I know for a fact more than you'll get paid at Burnley but and, and so they go there and happily play in the bottom end of the championship because they're getting more cash oh. um, so you know it's not I don't think it's hostile I think he's always said if there's a, if there's good investment uh, then we should take it I suspect Mike could probably want an involvement in the club. But you never know; it depends on the terms when the takeover comes, doesn't it? So, well, you, you talking, talking
1: of, talking of uh, Sean and uh, and and well, I mean, really, just how it's going this season. I mean, you mentioned, you know, you're you're always worried about getting relegated. Um, I mean, he always gets you out of it though. That's the great thing about Sean. I mean, I know you went down in 2015, but at the moment, it's not looking too good. But it is early days. Uh, no win this season. I thought you were a bit unlucky against Spurs last week, and I have to say, Andy, I mean, are
0: you worried? I, you know, I never get worried because every year we stay in has been a real bonus, as far as I'm concerned, because of the size of the club that we are and therefore the players that we can attract and will always attract. So I I tend not to worry about it. And if we nick a few games, you know, for instance, if we beat you tomorrow 6-0, which is possible... (laughs) then, you know, that'll be a high point. But that'll be like, that'll be a bit like, you know, winning the FA Cup for us. You know, so when we give someone a spanking, it's like, whoa, look at that, little old Burnley have given him a I thought It was like, tw- was it 2017 at Stamford Bridge and we were 3-0 up yeah. at halftime? Yeah. Let's talk about that. Um, you know, moments like that are fantastic for Burnley. Um, we have started slow before. So in the last couple of years, you know, we've been appalling up to Christmas and everyone's gone, oh, my God, Dyche has run his course. Uh, He makes a couple of changes but nothing major, he doesn't slag the players off in front of the camera, he keeps a steady medium, Uh, a lot of the players have said to me in the dressing room, you know, he's not a shouter, Uh, he will think about what he's saying first and then he'll have a conversation with you Uh, and and therefore all the players that I've spoken to about him really respect him because of that, because they say there are managers that treat you like kids and he treats you like an adult Mm. Uh, and therefore so far he's always got himself through to the point i think because he doesn't lose the dressing room ever
2: mm, he's a good manager i think i've got a lot of time pre- shout, though anymore because he's, he's always shouting out orders isn't he from the side i don't know how he manages to ever ever keep a voice he's, <laughs> but let me ask That's you if, since 1961 where has it gone wrong since <laughs> ray Poy- since ray pointer what happened
0: yeah, yeah. I don't, he was, he was building that Ryan standard Douglas, in the 1970s. Ryan Douglas. It's all gone wrong since then. Has. That's what it was. It's... Yeah, may I
2: say that uh, Rodriguez, I think, is a fantastic yeah, he is. player. A a really, really. He played for terrific. England, didn't he, once, terrific, I think, yeah. when he was yeah, at really Southampton. Terrific. So, I've liked
0: Andy, how's, so how, how, do you see,
1: how do you see it going then, tomorrow? I mean, I, I just 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 a bit of a uh, you know a precursor to that. I mean, I think a lot of big six sides go, oh, we're playing Burnley at Turf Moor. They're going to kick us off the park. It's going to be really tough. But actually, I think that's a bit of a myth because our record against you up there is actually really good. So how yeah. do you think it's going to go?
0: I, it's always tough. I mean, I, whenever I've done the, uh, the co-commentary for Burnley and I, I sit at Stamford Bridge or I sit at Turf Moor and I look at the Chelsea team, I always make the same comment, which is, it's not a fair game, this, is it? Uh, all the Chelsea players are taller, faster wider and all of them can play football this is just not fair and so that's why when we do all right i get very giddy and so on that basis it will be the same tomorrow matching the stats man for man we shouldn't have a chance however the way we played the other day we've got the two main strikers back that we generally play with which is wood and uh, and barnes barnes is a naughty little boy and so if he can get away man. with a few nasty nasty player well, is he? Because uh, it's, it's really simple to suss him out, right? So all he does is the ball goes up in the air, he looks where the player is, he just takes a few steps back and says, go on, push me, gains a bit of ground, we get a free kick. But the trouble is, is that referees <laughs> are being in it, because that was one of the most, I'm a qualified referee,
2: that was one of the most basic, I did it because at the time I was, wasn't was acting at all and it was easier to earn a tenner every time I went to the plastic pitch at <laughs> the end of, end of the, uh, the road and say, uh, oh, I'll referee a game for you. So and, I 50, and I can
1: do the commentary at the same and time. And do the
2: commentary as well while I'm doing it. and I get fifty quid a week, and I take the girlfriend out. But then she chucked me. She said, "I thought thought I was going out with an actor, not a referee." But um, that was the I know, most. I know
0: that she texts me straight after. Anyway, well,
2: I thought so. <laughs> she went out with you. I knew she. I, I knew it. But um,
0: working we working in um, call center, um, isn't it?
2: <laughs> but we um, um um uh, I've lost my thread now. Oh, yeah, the most. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. The most basic thing we were told was that if the player looks at the other player behind. Which he does. You're absolutely right. And yeah. then gains a foul of some kind. He's the one who's guilty of it. I've refs, yeah. refs are so absolutely useless. I have to say though, I, I have an admiration for him because yeah. he's a, he's a decent player. He's just such a filthy bastard. And if oh. he play, if he was playing for us. We'd love him. Yeah, we'd yeah. absolutely would love him.
1: Costa, we loved him. Same yeah, kind of absolutely thing.
2: Absolutely love him. But um, he has, he's got that little bit about him and that edge. You think, oh,
0: God. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the thing to look out for is, is yes, sometimes he does the look behind, but a lot of the time now, he doesn't do that. He, way before, he susses where the player is and All he right. gravitates towards them without the look uh, and says, go on, you're twice as big as me. So this will be funny, mate. Uh, and, th- and then stands okay. there going, what? So, Andy, is he... He he then kisses you on the nose if you get upset about things. That's
1: true. Uh, Andy, um, how will Deitch approach this? Because, you know, we've kind of unlocked, uh, you know, the creative talents that we've got in that last match we played against Krasnodar. And we all think it's because he played 4-3-3 with Kante Havertz and Mount in the mid. We're hoping he's going to do the same tomorrow. So, you know, what's Deitch going to do? Is he going to basically try and just shut up shop or is he just going to go for it?
0: I don't think he will. I, I, it's, it's interesting because over the years we less and less shut up shop. It's really important that he gets the balance and he makes sure that the team is really honest. And from the front two, they defend all the way back, and that and that stops us shutting up the shop because it means we can break out. In the old days where we didn't have two strikers up front in order to get out, we never got out, and it looked like we were, you know, putting fifteen at the back. So we've got a good strong defense. We've got a good midfield that comes back. Uh, even Dwight McNeil, who's our flair player, he'll probably play on the left tomorrow. You know, he gets back and defends both the left and the right. They can do the little dainty triangles from the left and right back and play their way out. And then with with Ashley doing his thing and, and Wood being, you know, leading goal scoring most of the time, we've got something up front to go for as well. So we'll certainly defend resolutely. Uh, But can we get out of there? I suspect we can. Um, But I'd be surprised if Chelsea didn't nick it, I think is the truth of it.
1: Can you give us a prediction in the style of Sean Dyche, please?
0: Uh, I think... mm, uh, I've just eaten a mouse. I think it'll be (laughs) 3-1 to Chelsea. Big lads. Very big lads. Brilliant,
1: mate. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with that, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. Andy, it's just delight. I mean, it's made Jonathan's year that I've actually got somebody on a show that he can relate to in a a, a proper sense of the word. It's absolutely lovely seeing you again. I miss the old love sports stuff. Hopefully that'll come back one day. Uh, I wish you luck tomorrow and uh, thank you very much. Great to
0: see you, mate. Lovely to see you as well. And as they say, 6-0 to the Clarets. I made all that up before. We're the winners. If you Cheers. do that,
1: if you do that, I'll eat 100 Eccles cakes tomorrow <laughs> after evening after the match. So that ain't happening. Andy, great to see you, mate. We'll see you soon. Take care. Thanks, Cheers. mate. Bye-bye. Brilliant. Andy Hodgson there, massive Burnley fan, does the co-commentary, all sorts of stuff, Work with him on Love Sport. And Can he's just, a, almost Brian as good Huggins. a voiceover as Jonathan. What?
2: I said Brian Douglas. I should have said John Connolly. I do apologise. I got the winger wrong. So
1: anyway, we will be back in a minute to give you our view of the Burnley Chelsea match. So there.
3: Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea.
1: Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, uh, and uh, it's me, Stanford course, Him over there, Jonathan Kidd. Uh, he's uh, he's he's like a ninja tonight, and we've got the absolutely lovely Mister Mark Worrell.
3: Buonasera.
1: Buonasera. Yeah, indeed. Andy had some interesting things to say there, and and I was particularly interested in that that. 200 million takeover, that could change them. But now it's all about the Chelsea. That's all we really care about. Uh, I think the first question, Marco, is, you know, I mean, we touched on it all evening, really, haven't we? But will, will Frank stick uh, with four three three in midfield with Kante, Mount and Havertz? And, you know, what kind of difference will it make, I think?
3: I think um, it, would be, it would be strange if he didn't, um, given you know, given the merits of everything that happened in in a game uh, where we were playing opponents perhaps not too dissimilar to the ones we'll face um, in Burnley, sort of, you know, technically limited but know how to um, close the ball down and, and shut opponents out. I, I mean, I, for my sins, I, I watched the... Um, the, the, the Spurs Burnley game or parts of it that was on the TV the other night um, and they you know Burnley do a good a good at what they do that all that said Chelsea usually turn up and um, have a have a good go up there so uh, I think it'd be interesting um but yeah you know I, I hope Frank sticks with it um why would he change?
1: Yeah, quite. I, I think I think you're, you're right there, mate. And I think it was really encouraging. I mean, you know, let's face it, Andy's got a far better idea of how Dyche will set up and how Burnley will play than we have. And I was quite encouraged to hear him say that he thinks they'll, you know, they're not going to just try and play with 11 men behind the ball. They will actually give it a go. And I think that will help us. But if they are going to defend as resolutely as he also said that they will, we need our creative players firing on all cylinders and we need to unlock them and I mean without without kind of like sounding as though we're a a broken record, Jonathan, that's what that midfield will do. You get can you get Mount and Havertz in that midfield supplying the likes of presumably Pulisic and Zayac and Werner, because I think you know, I mean that is our best team for me. Mendy, Aspi or James, Silver, Zuma, Chilwell, Kante Mount Mount and Havertz. Pulisic, Werner, Zayec—that's the team I want to see tomorrow.
2: Well, that's what you want if you're going to get the ball played really quickly, and you and to unlock any of these these very stubborn defences. But I wonder whether he'll just introduce players slowly, um, in, and to create the four-three-three. And he—I mean—is uh, Aspi essential for the defensive record they've got at the moment with the clean sheets? Uh, in which case, will he bring James in? Although James has been pretty good defensively, but or will he play? Would he play james a bit further up the pitch if he was playing um uh because he's so good at playing slightly more forward playing wing back in which case would he then bring s p on later But
1: James played really well against severe in a 4 didn't he if you remember
2: yes he did he did he, he was very good indeed but um uh um uh, one would hope that would be the case that he'd start with with um, with with that with that formation, but I wonder whether he'll start with a, a, a slightly more predictably um, less uh, speedy formation in order to bring them on um, later on to uh, to put Burnley to the sword. And I, I, I just don't quite think we can predict that, that he would start with that setup. Unless, of course, he starts with that setup. They score three goals, and then he slowly brings a slightly more defensive setup on, which I would hate because then we'll be hanging on by our bootstraps, as we always do. But... Um, I don't know.
1: Well, I, th- I think the other thing that's important to take note of, really, you know, and I, I think, you know, it's so difficult, isn't it, Marco? Because we, we, it's like wall-to-wall football. You know, you've got two matches every week. Everybody lives in the moment with everything. Something that, you know, you, me and Jonathan have kind of moaned about about a bit, you know, in terms of Twitter. It's all instant this, instant that, isn't it? But actually, the reality is, if one takes a step back, is that everything that we said would probably happen is beginning to happen, that it would take time, These players, you know, you've got a lot of new players to introduce into a first team. That's going to take time. A lot of them are coming back from injury. A lot of them haven't had much of a pre-season. But then you look at what's happening over the last couple of weeks. Pulisic beginning to get back into form and fitness. Zayec coming back in. I thought he looked exceptionally good against Krasnodar. Werner's getting more suited to, you know, getting to to grips with the English Premier League. Havertz too. It's beginning to come together, I think.
3: Yeah, no, uh, and and you know that that has to be a, a very positive thing, and you know, kind of not before time with with all the personnel. I think I think what we're just craving now is some consistency. So we're getting the we've got the the back line sorted out in terms of um, confidence from having a keeper who's at the top of his game, um, I think you know, build building out from that. Um, and the second half of that game against Krasnodar. Let's see what happens tomorrow. We've got, I think, the next three Premier League fixtures. We've got Burnley, Sheffield United and Newcastle before um, running into Spurs. So, you know, I mean, you'd like to think that there's an opportunity there, but then you cast your mind back to last season and we lost at Newcastle, um, lost lost against Sheffield United and Drew, and then, and then Burnley. So I, I think complacency is a... Bit of a fool's errand. But yeah, I mean, everything does seem to be going in the right direction.
1: It does indeed. That's a really good point you make there. Because, of course, there's also the annoyance of of another international break. But you're right. We've got, um, who have we got? Who have we got? Who have we got fixtures? Here we go. We've got uh, Burnley, obviously, tomorrow. Then we've got Wren on uh, Wednesday. Then Sheffield United. Uh, And then there's an international break before the Newcastle match. Uh, and then Ren again and then Tottenham so you know it's a bit annoying these international breaks coming around because as I, I agree with you essentially you know we need some consistency we need to build build on things and I think you know it's a bit like what we were saying really about the draws the nil-nil draws though they're a bit disappointing because you, you know you obviously always want to win considering how shaky our defense had been we needed to we needed that. You know, we needed to get a couple of matches with, 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 you know, no goals conceded. So you can build on it. And I think we're in that kind of approach. I still think there's going to be bumps in the road, chaps. I really do. I think this, this team's going to, it's going to take a while for it to generally really start to hum. But, you know, I, it's, it's about trending, isn't it? One of those things we see on Twitter, it's trending, as long as the trend is going upwards. And I think it is, Jonathan.
2: Well, I also think it, it, if we have an element of consistency and draw a few games, but don't lose too many and win um, those we should be winning and even those we necessarily shouldn't, um, the way other teams are playing at the moment, I think just being three, everybody, well, not everybody, I think the top six will only be three points off um, the top of the the uh, the top of the league. So I think um, as long as we keep um, nearby, near the top, we'll have a chance of winning it, I think the way things are going at the mm-hmm. moment.
1: Well, if people are saying Spurs have got a chance of winning it, we bloody well have, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, listen, the only worry I've got really tomorrow I mean, obviously we know anything can happen. It's a bit like that in the Premier League at the moment, kind of really what Jonathan was saying, I think. My only concern really is if if Burnley do try and rough us up, Marco, because we know I mean the the, the saving grace is that I think I think that Phil Bardsley's still ill. And won't play, but I, I always, i you know, I get a shiver through my spine when I see Phil Bardsley and a team against us, remembering what he he tried to basically cut Hazard in two, didn't he, when he was playing for yeah, Stoke, yeah. if you yeah. remember that. We know about Barnes. There's a few more in there, you know, shit house players, you know, and 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 we've got a few players that look a bit a bit vulnerable, you know, Havertz, for example. I think he's being singled out already. Pulisic, think, another.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the the only player that sort of makes me um sort of nervous slightly it seems to be Pulisic who's who's got a I don't know maybe does he need to put a bit more timber on he, he's all, obviously he's targeted all the time in the same way that Hazard was but but Hazard you know had a low center of gravity and he he took his punishment and you know it wasn't when he got injured it generally tended to be more related to overdoing it rather than being, being clattered. Whereas I think Pulisic, you know, you could see it the other night, you know, he was, he was on the deck, um, not intentionally, but, you know, and I just worry about him losing his fitness um, on a regular basis because of the the treatment that he gets. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, I think, you know, I mean, look at, you know, you look at the, Units like Reese James, they're, they're, they're not going down unless, um, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of hit by a truck, are they?
1: And that that tackle he did on Pogba against United last weekend was just a, a thing of beauty, I thought, you know, and, and he went for a 50-50 and he didn't pull out.
3: Pogba, I mean, they're all beasts, aren't yeah. they? You know, Zuma, Mendy, you know, they, they, these guys are, are not, they're not moving, are they?
2: no. Um, I think you know. I think um, Havertz is actually quite up for the scrap. You know, I get the impression. Do you
1: see that, that um... push he did on on one of their attackers, the yeah. Russian?
2: Went yeah. Yeah. Like a... Could Havertz? Yeah. he? Not, yeah. He's yeah. Not he, considering he's he's like a he's he's a smooth, silky, like a sculptor, silky smooth, silky smooth. He's like a he's like a um, Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci um, statue. Uh, he's actually got a little bit of. Uh, He's Got a bit of bottle about him. I was thinking it's a f- physiological thing about um, um, Pulisic and Hazard. I think it's all in your arse. I always got the impression that it was a much, he had a much but a large arse, Hazard, which at the moment, uh, Pulisic hasn't got. Perhaps he needs to eat a few more pies. He
1: needs Botox
2: in his buttocks. That, that could be it. Yeah. Maybe butto- that's what it is. Butto- Botox uh, application.
1: All right, then, you lovely people. Um. <laughs> I think it's time for some predictions. And by the way, talking predictions, I'm going to just update you on the Prem Predictions League before we we go tonight. Um, Oh, do you have to? I do, yeah. Uh, But before we do that, how do you see this going, Marco?
3: I think we're going to win 2-0. 2-0 to
1: the Chelsea.
3: 2-0 to the Chelsea.
1: Lovely. Uh, Mr Kidd?
2: I think we're going to win 4-0. 4-0.
1: Yeah, baby. (laughs) I love it when Jonathan goes large. (laughs) Ha, ha. There we go. I'm I'm going to be somewhere in the middle actually between you two. I'm, I'm I've gone for 3-1. Uh yeah. I, I have I, yeah, I think we'll win. I think I think we'll win comfortably. I I am just praying that Frank Frank goes 4-3-3 three, three and it and it's as as creatively interesting as it was uh against Krasnodar and uh, the the and Werner and Ziyech continue you know the upward progression which is what's been going on for the last few weeks so i'm going 3-1 i'm a bit worried about set pieces against burnley i have to say even though we've got mendy and silver playing i don't know we'll see maybe my maybe my fear is unfounded but we'll see so there you go i'm going 3-1 marco's going 2-0 jonathan's going 4-0 now uh be interesting to see what they've gone for in the premier predictions league uh which by the way people uh, if you haven't got him in by now, you're too late. So tough, because there's a, a a game that's just kicked off a few minutes ago, Wolveswood Palace. But I can update you on the current standings of the Chelsea fancast Prem predictions table. Uh, and uh, I'm I, I'm going to save the best till last. But uh, the wonderful Joe Mingola is still out in front. He's uh, usurped the lovely Claire McConnell, who was leading last week and is doing staggeringly well. Though Claire had a bad week this week. She only picked up 14 points but joe got 173 he got a 52 point bonus for backing palace i think in something so joe is just he's just the man's a genius he's on 625 points the closest to him is jarek kostka on 527 uh, joe i want whatever you're smoking mate cuz you are a legend but what what what,
2: what, what, what? is he a betting man I
1: think he does. He's in the Discord group, which I'll mention in a minute, and it was
2: revealing what he had to say. He must be doing rather well if he's a betting man.
1: Indeed. Anyway, uh, he is not the performer of the week. He is leading the table, but the performer of the week is our great friend, Ash Pinto, who you've met, JK. He's been in the Q&As with us. Remember Ash? Yeah.
2: Yes, of course.
1: Ash got astonishingly 202 points, which has rocketed him up to sixths. Uh So, well done, Ash. Ash got uh, one, two... He got three spot-ons. He got the... Uh, Brighton, West Brom, the uh, Palace Fulham and Palace match and the Wolves-Newcastle match absolutely dead on. Uh, so well done you, uh, Ash, uh, and hopefully we'll we'll see you very soon. But uh, he's now in six. But out of the fancasters, because of course, you know, a bit like the Premier League, as far as this is concerned, there is a league within a league, okay? Because a lot of the fancast boys are in there. Me, Marco, Jonathan, uh, Martin Wickham, Mark Meehan, uh Dame Whittle and Tony Glover. And uh Jonathan. Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. You got minus one this week. That's better. Yeah, which which brings you a cumulative total of minus sixty-six. So you are you are propping propping the uh, the league up. You're holding us all up, mate.
2: I've lost my mojo.
1: You have lost your mojo. Uh Tony Glover's not much bloody better. He's on minus five. He got minus four last week. So Tony, you're thirty-first, Tony's thirtieth. Dane Whittle is 29th. He got minus 40 last week. Honestly, these are the fan casters. We're supposed to know what we're talking about. Uh, Mark Meehan is 22nd. He got minus 37 points. Marco and uh, Martin Wickham uh, uh, are tied in 15th uh, with 249 points. But I have to say, I'm back, boys. I am back Having been languishing in the nether reaches of the Chelsea fancast prem predictions table, keeping the likes of Tony and Dane and Jonathan company, I have shot up to the lofty heights of twelfth, thirteenth. Sorry, in the league, I got ninety nine points this week. I got um, two spot ons, I think. Did I? I don't know. Just trying to look. Yeah, I did. I got two spot ons. I got the Wolves match right and the and the Fulham match right, and I and I am now in thirteenth. So I am leading the pack of the Chelsea fancasters, as I should be, of course.
2: As you should be, because you are on the button. I am Whoa. a
1: knob, basically. That's what you really wanted to say. I could tell. <laughs> it's because you are a knob, chidge. Basically, Your mate... head has grown,
2: chidge. It's growing at the time, all the, all the know, time I'm speaking.
1: All I can say, mate, the way this game goes, it will not last. <laughs> you know, I, I've seen what I've predicted this week, and I, it could go horribly, horrible. I'll tell you, I'll give you one of the predictions I've done this week. I've, I reckon United and Arsenal are going to draw three-three. That's, so did I. I think. No I think. way really. Well that is going to screw me up. I just know it, you know. And I think I predicted that West Ham are going to beat Liverpool, but that's purely out of spite. Yes, so did I. Well, there you yeah. go. And how many how many points have you got, Jonathan? Uh, you've minus got minus 66. Six, minus and I'm picking the same as you. This is where it's all going to go horribly wrong. <laughs> but there you go. Um now listen, just before we go, I've got something that I was I I forgot to say on Monday actually, but it's very pertinent because we've got Marco um, who's kept very quiet actually about the chats about the Prem Predictions League, but um, uh, Marco. It, uh, in my rush to buy uh, Dave's uh, Dave and Smithy's book, uh, Tales of the Chelsea Unexpected, and Chad's book, you know the quiz book, um, and 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 Walter Otten's fantastic Let Let the Salary Decide book, I also pressed the button on Amazon to get your When, when Skies Are Grey, completely forgetting that I already had bought a copy a while ago. <laughs> Uh so I've now got two copies of Where, when skies are gray and I thought it'd be great to um you know give one away uh, as a prize although Jonathan did say can you give it to me chidge and then he retracted you you officially retracted on Monday so
2: I I retracted because it was unfair somebody else should get it, it was, well I thought we should give it up as a word.
1: prize but it would yeah, require no. Marco to ask a question and I've just landed this on him which is a bit unfair if you can think of a question in the next minute right then uh, then I'll give it away as a prize. So, can you think of a question?
3: Okay. The question is, Christian Pulisic scored a perfect hat-trick against Burnley last season, but what order did he score the goals in? As left in... Left foot, right
1: foot, head. Which left, order? Left foot, right foot, head. What order did he score his perfect hat-trick in? If you email that answer to me at chelseafancast at com, then I will send you... I would love to send you a signed copy of Marco's book, but that's kind of nigh on impossible at the moment. But uh, we'll send you the book anyway. It's a cracking read, and, uh, and there you go. So my stupidity will be your, uh, your kind of uh, windfall, as it were.
2: What if there's a tie, Chidge? Will you just
1: be drawing them? Oh, we'll them? draw lots, mate. Good. We'll, we'll have the hot, hot balls in the cap.
3: Yeah, first definitely. email, first email that comes in with a correct answer. We could
1: do that. We could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll. Yeah, actually, because there'll there'll be quite a few. Correct What's the answers. address again? Chelseafancast Chelsea Fan... at gmail.com. You could send I'll, I'll, it in I'll, as a. Yeah,
2: I'll enter as someone else. You could. Yeah, yeah. You could.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because but yeah. now you've told me, I'll know it'll be you.
2: No, no, but you uh, If I find a name that you don't know, I, I've got. If I've got an email address, you might yeah. not know. It. This
1: is, and th- there we go. And that proves why we will we'll be drawing lots to see who wins it, because there'll be a few right answers. Anyway, on that on that bombshell, we better go. Uh, been great fun tonight. I do like these little preview shows. Great to hear, uh, uh, you know, varying opinions from all sorts of other people. But Marco, particularly lovely to see you. You know, I mean, not in the flesh, but I I, I see you. It's great to see you, mate. Good to see you guys. Yeah, you're looking well, mate. That's the, good, that's the great thing. Yeah, you're back. Marco is back. Marco is back. Hello. Whoa, yeah, it's good to see you, mate. You stay safe and take care. Yeah. Jake. JK, you old reprobate. You ninja you. Um, lovely to see you. Yes, you. Lovely to see okay. you. Did you enjoy having a little voiceover artist, mate, to play with tonight?
2: It was lovely. He's got a lovely voice. Maybe. He's done, clearly done very well. Lovely impression of Sean Dyche. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. He had a, a wit yeah. that uh, uh, I... Um, uh i i relished yeah he's I a could, good lad
1: andy yeah. he's good radio radio presenter too oh, he, he's, very, fluent. He's, very fluent
2: he used to do the show after me on his own yeah i'm not surprised i'm sure he could um he could do that yeah. he's got the gift of the gab you could tell yeah
1: it's not good. not a lot of people could do that so there we go that was great so jonathan great to see you i'll see you on monday i think on monday we have uh i think we've got joe tweeds with us there you go tony and joe with me and marco uh, me and J K on Monday. I'm looking forward to it already. I'll be looking forward to it more if we wallop Burnley tomorrow, which I'm sure we will. And on that happy note, right, that's been a lot of fun tonight as ever. Thank you for listening, especially the people who joined us in Mixler. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep it carefree, keep it blue. Up, Up the,
3: shelf. the shelves! <laughs>